please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to continue where we left off uh, week before last. Remember again, last week was Easter. Hope you had a good one. Um, we're going to continue on where we left off. And uh, remember again in verse, um, verse 9, it says in this, the love of God, I'm reading in 1 John 4, 9, by the way, it says in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God had sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So we, in other words, he's saying we, we saw the love of God in what he did in sending his only begotten son. There was nothing else he could do. That was his most precious gift to us. And that's what he gave because that's how much he loved us. Amen. And so that's why he goes in the same verse 10 that he says, in this is love. Not that we loved God. So see, again, he first uh, highlights the fact that God sent his son. And he says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So the Apostle John is bringing something out here that's really significant, and that is the love of God toward us. Because family, if, if we don't know God's love towards us, then it's very difficult to develop faith. Did you hear what I said? Because we need to know that the person, see, faith isn't something that's blind and something that is abstract. Um, now, I understand the difference between faith in God and the faith of God, and I want to talk to you about that a little bit this week, because I sort of spoke to, to you about that uh, last time we did, not last week, the week before when we did uh, 1 John 4, 9, but I didn't really bring it out in those terms. So I will bring that out in, in those terms this week a little bit more, uh, just so you can understand it. But the thing that we, we see here is our faith in God is based on His love for us. If we don't know that God loves us, then we won't have any faith in Him to look after us. <laughs> did you get that? Amen. And so everything, you know, our faith, the faith of God begins in the faith in God. Is that good English? Anyway, all right. Do, do you understand that once we have faith in God, then we can begin to develop the faith of God, which then takes us into a whole nother realm. And I don't want to talk about that today. But all of this begins with faith in God. And so the Apostle John understands this. That's why he's going to say this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith, okay? But, you know, to lead up to that, he is getting us to understand that God loves us, that we can have faith in him, and we can grow our faith in that way, in understanding his love for us. So he's, he's, he's building a foundation from which to, to launch into that kind of faith by saying again, in this is love. Not that we love God. So it's, it, what he's saying is, listen, it's not about our love for God. You know, uh, our, our faith isn't built on how much we love God. It's built on how much God loves us. Now, we should love God. Hallelujah. All right. But what he's saying is, listen, this is all based on his love for you. You can trust him. He loves you. He won't let you down. Do you get that? That's where faith comes from. And so again, he says, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. He's saying, listen, this is how much he loved us. This is how his love was manifested to us in the way that he sent his son to be the, the, the payment, so to speak, for our sin. Now, uh, that's what we're going to be looking at. There are a couple of specific things that we're going to be looking at in this verse. And they're both brought out uh, in the commentary by Colin G. Cruz that says, where he says, the author begins negatively by pointing out that love is not to be understood in terms of our love for God. Did you get that? That's why he says, this is love, not that, uh, not that we love God. So he's saying, listen, 
the love that I'm talking about isn't about our love for God. Like I said, it can be fickle, okay? Uh, as I, I've said before, all right? Having made that clear then, he states positively that love is to be understood in terms of God's love for us. Are you getting this? Okay, God's love for us. And, and he says, that's why he says, this is love that he loved us. And this is how his love was manifested, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin, our wrongdoing, our badness. <laughs> okay, He died for us. For all the wrong things we did. And you know what? You know that the thing, what's interesting about this is who have we wronged? Ultimately, we wrong God. Isn't that interesting that God was willing to pay the price for our sin against him? Wow, that's incredible, isn't it? All right, let's continue. The emphasis in the Greek is that God sent Jesus Christ to be the atoning sacrifice. God sent, God so loved that he sent. You're getting this, okay? That God sent Jesus Christ to be the atoning sacrifice to remove the guilt we had incurred because of our sin. See, this is is bringing something else out now, and I think it's really important that you get a hold of this, that with sin comes guilt. Do you know why? Because the person that causes you to sin, the being that causes you to sin, Satan, brings guilt with sin. So he's the one that first of all says, it isn't interesting how he does this. You know, he says, oh, go ahead, do it. Nobody will know. The thing he doesn't tell you is that he knows and you know, and now he's going to hold that over you for the rest of your life. Are you all with me? And so that's the problem with sin. The person that tells you to break God's laws is the one that then reminds you for the rest of your life how you broke it. Of course, he leaves out the little detail that he's the one that tempted you to do it to begin with. He'll make you believe it was all your idea. And now look at you. I mean, how can you ever expect God to do anything for you having behaved so badly toward him? Remember, our sin is against God. Do you get what I'm saying here now? Do you understand what the Apostle John is saying? He's saying, listen, it isn't about our love towards God. It's about God's love toward us. That's why he had to say, forget about your love toward him. Think about his love toward you because there will be times you've done the wrong thing by him. And don't let that get in the way of your developing your faith. In that you're thinking, well, you know, how can I have faith in God to do anything on my on my behalf when I've been acting like a you know a really bad person? I'm gonna use another word, but okay, like a really bad person towards him. And that's why the apostle John says, Hey, 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 in this is this is love, not our love toward him, but his love toward us. And he's saying, Can you work with that? Can you work with God loving you regardless of what you do? Oh, I think I can work with that. I pray that you can as well. Praise God. Let's move on. And he goes on to say here, he says again, uh, to remove the guilt we had uh, incurred because of our sins so that we might have eternal life. This was the great expression of God's love. And on this basis, the author can say God is love. Do you get this now? He's saying, listen, on the basis... On the fact that God loves us, God did something for us, we can say God is love. Wow, of course we can. Amen? Hallelujah. That's what the Apostle Paul brings out in Romans chapter 3, following the statement in verse 23, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody, you know, likes to preach that verse to all the sinners. But, we, <laughs> you know, we need to read on to verse 24, where it says, And are justified freely. Yeah, we have all sinned, but guess what? 
justification came and it was freely given to us by God. And he says, and are justified freely, watch, by his grace. Not his judgment, by grace. Amen? Not what we deserve, but what we didn't deserve. And he says, by his grace, through the redemption that Jesus, uh, that came by Christ Jesus, verse 25 explains it, it says, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. See, it's coming back to that again. All right. It says God presented him. God's love. Can I add that word in there, please? All right. God's love presented him as an, a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. All right. And I love the way the New Living Translation puts it. He says God sent Jesus to take the punishment for our sins, allowing us to be made right with God when we believe that Jesus shed his blood sacrificing his life for us hallelujah i don't think i need to say anything more than that now because i need to move on okay now in addition to this john macarthur says that christ's work of propitiation is related to his high priestly ministry so something else is going to come out now and that is jesus christ's high priestly ministry all right he says christ's work of propitiation is related to his high priestly ministry by his partaking of a human nature, Christ demonstrated his mercy to mankind and his faithfulness to God by satisfying God's requirement for sin and thus obtaining for his people full forgiveness. We're going to look at some interesting scriptures relating to that, but I want you to see this, that Christ's work of propitiation is related to his high priestly ministry. In other words, Jesus Christ is now our high priest in heaven. Did you know that? That we have a high priest in heaven, Christ Jesus, okay? And, and what's amazing is that he knows what we go through. We're going to see that in Hebrews in just a minute. And the, the, the thing that we, we, we see from what uh, John McCarthy is saying here is that his, his ability to look after us, his ability to represent us is based or is related, excuse me, to the price that he paid and his high priestly ministry. In other words, you know, you know, the priest used to sacrifice a lamb, okay, on behalf of the people. And then, you know, on you know, as a result of that sacrifice, then they would ask God for forgiveness for the people. But what happens if the lamb himself, okay, was sacrificed, then got up and said, based on what I just did, you forgive them, okay? And, and that's not to God the Father, but that's to the devil. You can't touch them because I died. I came back from the dead. That's what Easter is all about, by the way. Okay, and you can't touch them anymore. Hallelujah. Isn't this great news? I think it's good. I'm excited. Are you? Okay, all right. Get, getting back to this. And so that's why he says Christ's work of propitiation is related to his high priestly ministry. By his partaking of a human nature, Christ demonstrated his mercy to mankind. See, in coming down here, Jesus Christ, you know, it says was tempted on all points, just as we are. He didn't have to come down here, but he came anyway. That was his mercy towards us. He loved us so much that he was going to come down here and he was going to experience everything that we experienced so that he could be a faithful high priest, so that he could say, I know what you're going through. Did you get that? Amen. Didn't have to do it, but he did it. All right. And uh, he goes on to say here, let me, let me reread this again. By partaking of a human nature, Christ demonstrated his mercy to mankind and his faithfulness to God. Now, see, that's something else. 
in that, you know, God required a perfect sacrifice. A perfect man gave everything up. A perfect man had to take it all back. Do you understand? And so only Jesus could do that. And God needed Jesus to do that. All right? Uh, let me rephrase that. God the Father needed God the Son. You're going to see why I'm saying this in just a minute. God the Father needed God the Son to do that. Amen. All right? Now, if, he was, if God the Father could do it himself, he would have, by the way. People say, well, you know, I don't, I don't understand why God the Father had to send his son and make him, you know, suffer all these things and everything. Else. Listen, if God ever leaves the throne, we're all in trouble, <laughs> okay? Remember, Jesus Christ had to let go of his deity. We talked about it in the Easter service. He had to let go of his deity in order to die because you can't kill God and go to hell in order to pay the price and then in hell become God again, plunder hell and get back up. Now, there needed to be an anchor and God the Father was the anchor to all of this. Are you all with me? So God the Father never leaves his throne. Okay, he needs to be there. If he leaves, we're in trouble. All right, the whole thing will fall apart. So, the, so for those people that have that issue, hopefully I've answered your, your question. Let's get back to this again. So again, it says here, by partaking of a human nature, Christ demonstrated his mercy to, to mankind and his faithfulness to God by satisfying God's requirement for sin and thus obtaining his people's full forgiveness. Do you understand now, again, what God's uh, requirement for sin was? A perfect man needed to go and take it all back. Amen? And uh, don't read that in the negative. You know, don't read that in... I don't want you to read it and sort of think, oh, well, God made Jesus die because, you know, God needed somebody to die because he was having such a bad day and he was all grumpy and everything. But after mankind, you know, sinned and that grumpiness stayed with him until somebody went and died. And he goes, well, okay, fine, you know. <laughs> okay, please don't think like that. So this is brought out, this, this idea of Jesus Christ being our high priest is, is brought out in uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. It says, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Did you hear that? In all things, in all things. So don't ever go to Jesus and say, you don't know what it's like. I'm going through all of this stuff. And you don't know. <laughs> don't do that. Okay, watch. It says, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. In order to pay the price for the sins of the people, he needed to know the kind of sins they were committing and also all the problems they were going through. <laughs> right? and, 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 and to be merciful towards them. Not to look at them and go, well, you know, this is the 55th time you've come to me about the same thing. What is wrong with you? Slap, slap. Okay? <laughs> we needed a merciful high priest that even if it was this, you know, 490 times, you know what I'm trying to say? 70 times 7. All right, Jesus would still forgive us. And that's, by the way, in one day, okay? That's how merciful, that's how forgiving he is, by the way. But again, you need to come to him. You need to acknowledge your sin. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we acknowledge our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we don't acknowledge it and we sweep it under the carpet, we're in trouble. He, won't, he, he can't be our high priest. Amen. All right. All right let's move on. So, uh, uh, where was I? All right. Let, let me reread this again because I think this is really important. Again, he says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That is us. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered. 
I told you, he's the lamb that died and came back. <laughs> That's why he can make such a strong case on your behalf. For in that again, I mean Hebrews 2.18 by the way, it says for in that he himself, ha he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to, uh, to aid those who are tempted. Isn't that beautiful? He said he himself has suffered, being tempted. And because he suffered in that and understood the suffering that goes with temptation he is able to aid those to help us okay who are tempted so that when we're going through something he is able to talk us through things and help us through things if we let him amen you know can i suggest this uh, get his help on the front side of the temptation okay rather than go do something and then come back and go oh, okay i messed up again all right he'll forgive you but you know it's better to, to learn how to be, uh, uh, to, I guess, form a defense against those things and the front end so that you don't have to come and ask him for forgiveness on the back end. Are you all with me? All right, just a little wisdom for you. All right, uh, let me continue on here. What a comforting thought this is. Uh, again, that we have a perfect, listen, a perfect, faithful high priest. See, that's what's incredible about Jesus. You know, in even though he's been tempted like, like us, he didn't sin at all. And he isn't self-righteous. He, he's the one person in this universe that can be self-righteous. And, and he decides not to be. Do you know why? Because God is love. Hallelujah. And Jesus is God. And he has that same love and is that same love. All right. Back to this. So again, I've said here, what a comforting thought that this is. That we have a perfect, faithful high priest that can not only relate to us as the, listen now, as the son of man in our fallen state, but then turn around and represent us before God as God. Oh, hallelujah. Did you get that? That's an amazing revelation. You need to get that. He can not only relate to us in our fallen state as the son of man, but then he can turn around to God as the son of God, as God, and relate to God. Wow. <laughs> Do you now see why he is the perfect high priest? And you know what it says? He's faithful. Which means that we can always count on him. Amen. You know, we may not be faithful toward God, but thank God for God's faithfulness toward us. Let me continue. In all of this, what we see is God's love for us in a myriad of ways. With I. Howard Marshall pointing back to the Father and saying that in the act of God sending His Son as the propitiation or atoning sacrifice for our sins, we find the deepest meaning of the term love. See, in, in what God did for us, in sending His only begotten Son, in giving His most precious gift to us, He says that we find the deepest meaning of the term love. If you want to know what love is, that's what love is. You know, the song says, I want to know what love... Well, that's it. <laughs> right, okay. That, that's what love means, is to actually give up your most precious, the, the, the most precious thing that you have for someone else. Amen. Love means forgiving the sins of the beloved and remembering them no more. This is what God has done for rebellious mankind. See, he didn't just do it for all those that said, oh, you know, all, all the ones that he looked and said, well, that's a really good person there. Oh, you know, I, I'm good to do this for them. But, oh, 
Dear God, look at Roche. I'm <laughs> not doing that for him. Are you kidding? Forget about it. He can just go, you know, he can keep continuing. Thank God, because I wouldn't be here today. Listen, it says here, and listen, family, we all rebelled. I, I know times in my life I rebelled. I was mad with God and everything else. But you know what? He still died. He still went ahead and did everything and waited for me to come to my senses. And I did. Hallelujah. Thank God. All right. So let's, let's, let me go back to this. So love means forgiving the sins of the beloved and remembering them no more. This is what God has done for rebellious mankind. He pardons their sins against himself at his own cost. I think we talked about that before. Did you get that? He pardons our sin at his own cost. Our sin against him at his own cost. To remove this element from the biblical teaching on the nature of God's love is to water down the concept of love beyond measure. Oh, I love that. What we see in God is a love beyond measure. We can't measure this kind of love. We have no idea. And that's why it really saddens me when people blame God for all kinds of you know, uh, horrendous things that happen on this planet. And he wasn't behind any of that. Somebody said, well, you know, if God's so loving, how come he allows all this to happen? Hey, hey, listen, listen. For all of those making that, uh, that, that uh, you know, argument right now, let me just tell you one thing. You want to know how God wanted us to live? Read Genesis chapter 1. Read Genesis chapter 2. Stop there, okay? Because Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 is the way God created this earth for us. Genesis chapter 3 is us messing it all up. So don't ever read past, don't, don't look at, you know, everything from Genesis 3 onwards and then say, well, this is how God, no, no, no. The way God wanted us to live is reflected in Genesis 1 and 2 when everything was perfect. He, he made a planet perfect for us, perfect in every way. We messed it up. Hello. So let's not put the blame on him for everything that's going wrong. Jesus Christ came and died to restore us back to a place that we can do something about it. So what do we do? We just blame God for everything still. We just say, well, you know, if God wants to fix this, he can fix it. He's all powerful. He's all this. He's all that. And yet Jesus said, you go. These signs will follow, not me, but he said, all those who believe. And he says, you will lay hands. You will speak in tongues. You will do all of these things. So it's time for us to stop saying, God, you do all these things when he has already given that to us. And the, and the, and the scriptures say, the Lord working with them. The Lord can only work with us while we're doing something. Amen. All right, anyway, there's a revelation for you. All right, getting back to this. Uh, <clears throat> there's a... Prophecy in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34 that talks about the time that we're living in now where God would be on the inside of each and every one of us. And so it says, listen to the scripture, we'll finish with this. It says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother. This can be ladies as well, okay? Saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Did you get that? He says, says the Lord, for I will forgive. Listen to this. He says, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember 
no more. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus Christ paid for with his life. That's the propitiation we're talking about. Did you get the two things? He says, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So when you ask God for forgiveness, you know what? He not only forgives you, 1 John 1, 9 says he not only forgives and cleanses you, but this also tells us that he doesn't remember it anymore. So when you go back and say, now God, you know, I've done this so many times before and come and ask you for forgiveness. He goes, what? This is the first time as far as I'm concerned you're coming to me. I don't know what you're talking about. And that will set you free. See, if we think of ourselves as always sinning and always coming to God as sinners, you know, and says, yes, you know, it's the same thing again. And, and we see ourselves that way. Then the next time we're going to sin, we'll, we'll, it'll be so easy because we go, well, we've done it before. We're going to do it again. It doesn't really matter. But what if you get the revelation that when you ask for, asked for forgiveness, very hard to say all those words together, all right? What if you get the revelation that once you asked for forgiveness, that God not only forgave you and cleansed you, but forgot about it? What happens to the next time you want to do something bad? The thought comes up, I've got a perfect record before God right now. Do I really want to tarnish it? Okay, now, yeah, if you ask for forgiveness, it'll all be cleansed again. But don't go there, man. That's why the Apostle John said, in, you know, I read that to you today, uh, that we have all of this in place, not that we sin, but that we stop sinning, <laughs> all right? So that we know <clears throat> that we don't have to feel bad and, and have to carry all the guilt around, we can be guilt-free, and give us, and which then gives us the strength not to go sin again. Amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, so, <clears throat> and all of this, this is all coming back to God's love, how much He loved us, and why the Apostle John said again as we finish in 1 John 4.10, in this is love. Now I want you to listen to it with everything that I've said. All right? In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent, and again I'm adding the word He, okay? And sent His Son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sin. Amen? Let's take this. Let's move forward. Let's understand that we can grow our faith in the knowledge that God loves us. That no matter how many times we slip and we fall and, you know, the devil trips us up, that there's always forgiveness. There's not only a forgiveness and a cleansing, but a forgetting as well. Because he loves us. And because of his love toward us, maybe we can move forward in our faith in him and grow it to the place where we are moving the mountains that come against us. And that we can then become the people that God designed and destined us to be. Amen? Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you, Father, for all the wisdom and revelation.